reflecting on 9-11 two decades later. I think these anniversaries are important because I think it's, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget really hard things. We want to. It's just human intuition. It wants you, as a protective sense of your being, you want to try to forget the terrible things that have happened. That's 1998 Syracuse University grad Jeff Rawson. Today, Rawson reports for TV stations across the country as Hearst Television's national consumer correspondent. On September 11th, 2001, he was just four months into a reporting job at WABC-TV in New York City. As a freelancer, I'm like this new, I was 24, I'm this newbie reporter, a kid. But covering a story like 9-11 will make you grow up quickly. We'll get into that during this Q's conversation with Jeff. I'm Chris Velarde, Director of Communications in the Office of Alumni Engagement. And like Jeff, I was also a television reporter on 9-11. I was working in Connecticut. Though Jeff and I had different reporting experiences that day, our days began very similarly. Coincidentally, we were both scheduled to be off that Tuesday. I'll never forget the phone call I got from my wife telling me to turn on Good Morning America. Well, Jeff got a similar call. A friend of mine calls me and says, put on the TV. And I say, what? I'm sleeping. Put on the TV. And there it is. The first plane had flown into the building. I got dressed, I think, faster than I've ever gotten dressed in my life. And I rush into the station, WABC. And you have to remember, these are veteran assignment editors, veteran reporters at the top station and the top market in all of America. And it was chaos. They had never seen anything like it. And that's how you know something huge is happening. And by the way, this is before we even knew that it was a terrorist attack. We just thought a plane, maybe a small plane, maybe a big plane, had gone into the tower. So the assignment editor screams at me, just find the cameraman, get in a truck, and go. I grabbed my cameraman, Danny Lamonth. We ended up on the West Side Highway following an ambulance all the way downtown. And I remember looking off to the side, but before I get there, remember we were going to cover this in the beginning like it was a regular fire. Right. And what do you do when you're trying to cover a fire? You get as close as you can. No one is thinking the building is gonna collapse Uh, a second plane is going to hit the building. This was some kind of accident in our minds at that point, early on. We're racing to get as close as we can, and we get very, very close. And all of a sudden, I look off to the side, and right at the corner, there is a jet engine, like a smoking jet engine, on the corner in New York City, on the sidewalk. I say, pull over. We end up meeting up with one of our live trucks and a cameraman named Todd Pierce. And the three of us for the next 40 hours would cover this story right at the heart of it. Um, People are running. Um, You're watching people. The, The hardest image that I've ever seen in my life that I tried to get out of my memory are people jumping from the building. And you have to think about the desperation of somebody who's faced with that decision, right? I can either burn alive or I can jump. And they decide that the better option is jumping out of a 100 story building. Yeah. Um, Jumping from a hundred stories up is better than the fate of the fire. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine that awful, awful decision. 
haunting. Um, I mean, that's haunting to this day. It, it, and we're there and um, all of a sudden we feel the ground rumbling again. And we look up and there's a second plane that hits the tower. So you were already on the ground. Yeah, we got there fast. Yeah. Wow. We were there fast. I mean, we, I got from the time I was in my apartment to that time down there is probably 15 minutes. Yeah. Not even. I mean, it was fast um, because I got called pretty much immediately. Yeah. So the, the second plane goes in. No collapse yet. And so we're we're still covering it. So now we know it's a terrorist attack and we're right. you know, we're people are running. Then the ground, the ground starts rumbling again. We look up. The tower is collapsing on us. And when I say I, we were close, I am looking straight up. You know, I'm craning my neck to look at the towers. That's how under it we are. Yep. Um, so I grab my photographer Danny's hand and I say, you know, don't let go. <laughs> he's, he's filming it because now we have this huge dust cloud coming down, you know, that famous shot. Yeah. You see the dust cloud coming down the corridor at you. And there's just nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. So right. I just, I said to Danny, my cameraman, I said, let's just hold hands as long as we can and try to stay together. The dust cloud hits us. People are running. You can't see, you can't breathe. So we get broken apart. I mean, within probably five seconds yeah. because people are running and you can't see or breathe. I end up walking down a, like a side street to kind of get away from the most of the smoke. And there's a Port Authority police officer there who also couldn't breathe. And, you know, our shirts are over our mouths. And he takes his baton and breaks us into a store, breaks the glass to get us into a store to get into some sort of safe area. It was by then there were a few people that had come over for some help, too. So yeah. we all race into the store and we're, you know, we wait for the dust to settle. Link back up with my cameraman about 10 minutes later. We're interviewing people. We're live on the air. Um, at that point, remember, phones weren't working. I mean, because, you know, the World Trade Center had a lot of the cell technology up right. there. Right. Phones aren't working. And on top of that, everyone's trying to use their phone. So the cell towers that are left are being used. Yeah. Um, we had those little Nextel devices. Remember those black uh, Nextel? Yep. The little yep. like walkie-talkie. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, that was the only way we could communicate with the station. And only one of every seven times would we get through. So we're, we were able to tune in a live shot signal. And we were one of the first teams in New York, network or local, to be able to get a live signal back to ABC. And, you know, we were live and it was, you know, 40 straight hours of coverage um, at one moment, I look up and there's Mayor Giuliani walking down the street. You've probably seen that now famous video yep. of the mayor walking down the street. That was me and Danny. I mean, yep. I wish I could say that was set up. I wish I could say it was anything other than dumb luck um, and coincidence. But it was coincidence right, and dumb time. luck. Yeah. And looked up there he is walking down the street and we just do what we do we start backtracking and walking with him and trying to figure out what was going on it became immediately clear to me that how big this was the mayor of new york city seemed confused about even where he was walking to um and that's not a knock against him how could he know and walking with him was the nypd commissioner bernard carrick who right. also seemed just as confused about where to go. They're pointing in different directions. I thought to myself, in these moments, you look to government hoping they know something you don't know. 
Um, and it was clear they didn't. We were literally all in it together. Um, mass confusion and fear. Um, and the other, and so we interviewed the mayor and he's telling people to come with him and he's telling people to put on their masks and they're trying to figure out where they can go where they're safe. Remember, we weren't just covering this as a story that happened and now we're reporting on it unfolding. For all we know, there are five more planes about to come in. Well, and that's, that's what I, what I want to ask you, because I know as a, as a journalist in the moment, the adrenaline clicks in and takes over and drives you and allows you to do your job. But as somebody, you know, who grew up on Long Island, who knew the city, who's 24 years old and, 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 you know, saw the chaos around you and saw that the government that you're looking for, you know, to hopefully guide the way is equally confused and, and kind of in the, in the midst of everything. In those first hours. Yeah. Yeah. How did you balance that? You know, that adrenaline that obviously is there with the real emotions of just being a human, human being. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds weird to say out loud, but you have to, in a way, disassociate from your emotions in that moment because any human being that allowed a rush of emotion to happen to them in that in that time seeing what you're seeing would not be able to function properly um and i knew that i needed to function i thought of my parents i thought of uh, other parents other kids in the city who are watching wabc desperately trying to figure out if they were going to die, if another plane was coming, what was going on down there? And if I fell apart, how am I doing anybody any good? I'm not doing anybody any good. Um, so there was a bit, you get into a zone, and I know it sounds cliche, but you do. You get into a zone because you have no other choice. Anybody watching people jumping out of a, a human being watching another human being jump out of a building, watching another human being running down the street with, with running, running down the street with covered with dust of human remains and office building and blood all over them could not function. So you have to transform into journalist first and try to be clear headed and try to just do the job because it has to be bigger than you or your emotions at that moment. Uh, plenty of time to grieve later. Right now, I need to deliver information to this city that is desperate for it. I know that when there were some big stories that I covered in my career, um, the grieving later definitely happened. I mean, it hit me when I wasn't expecting it. It hit me hard. Did 9-11 did yeah. ever hit you and hit you hard? I'll never forget WABC brought in grief counselors in, you know, the, the weeks after 9-11 when things started settling down and we got back to a more, we were still covering it nonstop, but a more normal schedule. WABC brought in grief counselors after a few weeks. And I was saying to myself, I'm okay. I don't need it. I, you know, I just need to keep on going, you know, trying to be Mr. Tough Guy. <laughs> um, and I met with that grief counselor and just completely broke down. And you don't realize you have that emotion until you shed that first tear right. and then come the next million right after it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's how I knew that I, I, I needed help just like a lot of other people did. Yeah. What did, um, you know, looking back now, 20 years later, what did 
what do you take away from it? What did, yeah. it, did it teach you about life, about journalism, about, about everything? Mm -hmm. uh, a few things. I learned a few things. One, I always knew journalism was my calling, but after that, I really knew. Um, I really knew this is what I was sort of intended to do. This is what I was put on earth to do. Um, it's one of my only skills, so it worked out well. Um, so I think the universe puts us all in different places at different times, and it put me there for a reason. And it has transformed me. I remember saying to myself during 9-11 and the days following, how in the world are we ever going to report on a regular news story again? Like, how are we going to go to a to a a deli shooting you know how are we going to go to a fire at a house how are you know how are we going to cover politics again how are we going to cover anything again when you hold this as the bar for importance in the world um and then you know you look up after a year and you're back to covering news and what this taught me was we can get over anything and the country is resilient. Even in the face of the worst tragedy you could have ever imagined, we come back. And now we walk downtown, we see the One World Trade Center, um, and that's just what it is now. Like, oh, this is these are the imprints of the buildings, and this is the museum, and here's the new structure they built. And that's just part of our world now. Um, it couldn't be more clear that we're back to covering partisan politics. We're back to covering the stories that we've always done 20 years later, which in some ways is depressing. And in some ways, um, what's the word I'm looking for? In some ways it's depressing in other ways, it's encouraging that we can come back. That, that normal is yeah, whatever it is whatever that looks like whatever normal is we can get there no it's matter what happens you know when you think back at the you know the, the weeks and months afterwards and then you think back um in in the year anniversaries each time it, in a lot of ways never forget was the phrase and, and maybe the first hashtag right that that mm -hmm. was associated with this um 20 years later uh you know, we talk about this, well, we're back to covering those things and, and kind of normal is whatever the heck normal is today. But do you think that never forget continues to live on? I think these anniversaries are important because I think it's, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget, forget really hard things. We want to, uh, it just human intuition. It wants you as a protective sense of your being, you want to try to forget the terrible things that have happened. But that's why these anniversaries are so important, because it is important to stop and remember. Um, my old colleagues, you know, my colleagues from WABC, my former colleagues, you know, you move on to other jobs, you don't talk as much anymore. But my photographer, Todd Pierce, and I text each other every single 9-11 to talk about where we were that day and what happened. So, you know, we don't talk all year. And I, you, if you looked at my text chain, it would be September 11th, <clears throat> 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. That, those are the days we talk. Um, we, you know, we try to remember in our own way. Um, it's interesting. I was a kid then, I was 24. And I have my own kids now 
who are learning about 9-11 in school. Um, and I don't talk about it much here, but I said, you know, daddy was there. Um, and I try never to watch my own videos or anything, you know, it's, it's, it's too upsetting and I never want to upset them either. Uh, but as they learned about it in school, it was just this past year, we should, we looked for some videos on YouTube and I showed them and they were, and they were floored. I mean, it was like them meeting, some, it would be the equivalent of us meeting somebody who fought in World War II, you know, during our school days, right? Like, wow, you were there for that huge piece of American history. So it's, it feels like it was yesterday. And then it also feels when my kids say things like that to me that they're learning about it in school, it feels like the full 20 years. There are things that I'll see in moments and, you know, even some of what you just described were like instantly, you, you mm -hmm. get that feeling, you get brought back. And, but then you also do realize, you know, you, you talk to somebody who's our children's ages or even some of the students now and, and you know, they were, Oh yeah, I was, you know, I was two when that happened. Or mm -hmm. Yeah. These kids who are two years old are now 22. Right. You know, and the kids who are 10 are now 30. Right. Yeah. The kids who were four are now the age that you were when you covered it. That's right. That's right. That's right. And it's, um, we, we've dealt with, you know, as we come out of a pandemic, which is a completely different type of story, but, but big, yeah. you know, I just know that we will come back from this too. Why? Because we came back from 9-11. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I use that, I think the same way in terms of that. I, there are things where I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, this is terrible. But then I think about how I felt in, in the weeks after 9-11 and, you know, kind of that fear of like, oh my God, are we ever going to be the same again? Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you are right. You're like, how in the world, like, you know, you look at the COVID thing, you're like, how are we ever going to, but you know, we, we get past things, right? We'll, I mean, we'll find it. We have to, it, it's human nature to try to move on. It's the reason that there are people who met on 9-11, who got married and had more children. And, you know, I, it's human nature, I guess, that we have to try to march on. But these anniversaries are so important to me. And a lot of what I learned to do at the scene that day, I learned at Syracuse because I was just a kid. I had just been a few years out of college. Well, I appreciate the time and the, the you know, not easy trip down memory lane on this yeah. one. Well, you know, it's, it's important. I hope people, you know, yeah. you know, I don't know, take something from it. You have to talk about those hard things because otherwise you do gloss over it. It just becomes, oh, that was a, yeah, that was a bad day. Mm -hmm. It's important not to become desensitized to the images. We have, you know, I hope that everyone thinks about that day on the anniversary and thinks about how awful it was and allows themselves to go there. Don't let your protections in your walls for this one day at least uh, build up. Knock them down, be emotional, think about it. Think about what happened and allow yourself to feel. It is difficult, certainly more difficult for those who lost someone, those who were there that day, but it is important. And I appreciate Jeff Rawson for spending some time with us, reflecting on that terrible day 20 years later. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. We'll talk to you again soon on the Cuse Conversations podcast.